Hello. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Where's My Freaking Dressing Room, a podcast discussing the world of classical music and what things are really like backstage. I'm Alex. And I'm Helen. And today we want to welcome you to a very special portion of the Where's My Freaking Dressing Room podcast. This week we are doing a short mini-series on mental health in classical music. We wanted to team up with it being Mental Health Week this week, and we wanted to talk about some of the mental health conditions that we feel are quite prevalent in this industry. So we wanted to have a chat about some ways that we feel certain mental health issues kind of display themselves. And during the course of this week, we're also gonna have on some very special guests. So to start this week, we are gonna talk about anxiety, something that Alex and I are relatively familiar with. I don't know what you mean. <laughs> um, and we wanted to talk about in this little episode, some of the ways we feel anxiety kind of exhibits itself, over-practicing, over-performing, and overthinking. So let's get started. So, over-practicing. Uh, I think, well, both of us are extremely capable of this, uh, <laughs> me in particular. How do we deal with this? You know, if I have something com coming up, I don't trust that I'm prepared enough, so I'm like, oh, I could just... I could just fit in an extra 10 minutes. Oh, this 10 minutes has turned into an hour. You know, it all spirals a little bit out of control because it's my anxiety. I'm like, I'm not mm. good enough. I'm not prepared enough, which is ridiculous because yeah. I've been practicing this piece for the last, I know, 300 years or something. Yeah. Um, so yes, how can you, how can we stop that? How can we prevent ourselves from doing that, do you think? I think it's something you and I have tried to work on a lot, mm -hmm. uh, particularly over the last few years. And like, kind of tapping onto what you were saying there about it, like being a massive root of your anxiety. I think in addition to that, it's something that we're taking from other elements of our lives. So I don't know, like academia or something, there's always more books to be read. There's always yes. more essays to write or whatever. And you can keep pushing and pushing and pushing because it's, it's different. It's not the same as kind of working this physical muscle. It's not the same kind of need for rest and recuperation before a performance or whatever. So I think... Now that I'm more aware of that, in terms of how do we like handle over practicing, some of the things we talked about were like first off kind of being quite strict mm -hmm. and disciplined with yourself and being like, okay, I'm setting time limits here. So again, these limits are different depending on the person. But for me, it's like, I know I can't really practice for longer than 90 minutes before it really starts to kind of go downhill. That's and a I, long and time. I'm, yeah, I'm just, I'm just wasting my own time after the 90-minute period. So it's about being quite strict and being like, okay, you're here, you've done the time, and now this is either break time, rest time, or, you know, whatever else it might be. And I think in addition to that, you know, knowing that when you're coming up to a big audition or a big performance, you do not need to be running the piece over and over and over and over before the performance. Mm -hmm. You know, th that is the time for you to be resting and ensuring that the voice is in peak condition before you actually you know give that solo performance and I think once you kind of tap into that understanding that you know it's the, the voice is a muscle it's not always going to be just able to sing especially if you've done like a six-hour rehearsal oh or something gosh, ridiculous yeah. during the day and um yeah really kind of sticking to the time limits you set for yourself mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I like that and also maybe saying you know, okay, well, all these other days I've practiced this part of the piece or, or I've worked on this element, the yeah. legato line, the coloratura or something. Something that I find useful is setting myself boundaries. Like, this is all I'm going to practice today. Yeah. I'm only going to work on this technique. 
And if some if I note something else that I don't like, something else, I'm like, no, no, that's for Tuesday. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or, yeah. or like, it's too late now. The performance is later. Oops. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. However, I yeah. don't think that. I try not to because if I say it's too late, then I panic. Nice. I get anxious. So that's good. <laughs> I think alongside that, something uh, another technique that we're aware of is like, yes, of course, the physical practice element is a hugely important part of the process. But alongside that, there's also so many other things we have to work on as singers, whether that be understanding the text and libretto better, whether that be researching re- like new repertoire to perform, whether that be, oh, I don't know. Um, the mental practice, as in as in going through the piece in your head. Yeah, singing yeah. It, letting your larynx move as if it's singing. Yeah. But not actually producing the sound. Yeah. That's and it, really good for you. I think it's like knowing those moments where you're not using the actual voice box. You are still doing incredibly important work. Mm-hmm, and actually, mm-hmm. in giving your voice time to rest you know that's important work in and of itself and yeah I think Alex and I are both huge advocates for what Alex just mentioned there which is mental practice the idea that you're going through the performance in your head as if you're giving it but you're not missing any sound you're not doing actually any singing and often I find when doing mental practice I'm able to find almost greater clarity in things that I couldn't do before because often I'm listening to the sound coming out of my mouth and I'm like ooh, 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 ooh. Mm-hmm. and I'm not necessarily thinking about how like all the technical things I want to be like perfect. I'm, I'm, I'm not able to kind of give that my focus because I get distracted by the sound of my own voice. Whereas in mental practice, you really can just hone in on like, this needs to be like this, this needs to be like that, blah, blah, blah. So actually like, I think mental practice is equally as valuable Oh, it's great. And especially if you're, you know, I find it especially useful for if I'm trying to work out how I'm going to perform the piece, you know, what are my intentions uh, character-wise? Where am I going to look? You know, what am I going to do with myself? Because when you're singing, you're so swept up in what's going on that you don't realize that, I don't know, your shoulder is next to your ear or something like that. Or, <laughs> or that, you know, you have, you're standing on one foot, yeah, you know, <laughs> or rocking. Yeah. That's, that's a nice oh, one. Um, yeah. And the mental practice really like forces you to, to ground yourself, yeah. obviously, because you're not having to think about coloratura or whatever yeah. so much. All of this in a, in a big, big way kind of comes down to, as you said right at the start of this section, trust. Mm-hmm. The fact that we need to trust ourselves a bit more, but our natural anxious nature means that we don't. And we're doing a lot of like, but what if this goes wrong? But what if this? But what if that? And over the course of time, we have to become more trusting of ourselves and our voices. And I think a lot of that can be done in like giving yourself appropriate feedback, appropriate praise when required, appropriate criticism when required and realizing that, you know, my old singing teacher always used to say to me, you are in complete control. Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, no, I'm no. not. <laughs> <laughs> but she's right. And like, you know, the more I try and tell myself that, the, the more ways I'm able to be like, oh yeah, you know, if I just lower my larynx or lift my soft palate, I am actually able to make the sound that I was looking for. Yeah, but right. often the, the buzzy, anxious head doesn't let me find that clarity of thoughts. And so teaching ourselves to trust or understanding that so much of it is about trust is a crucial part of kind of tackling that, that over-practicing element. And then... Next up, uh, something that really goes hand in hand with overpracticing is overperforming. <laughs> um, again, literally everything about this episode are things that Alex and I just live and breathe <laughs> for. <laughs> um, 
a massive part of it again comes down to this thing of, of fear and worry that it's not going to be enough and it's not going to be as perfect as you want it to be and it's not going to be as as great as you imagined it would be and so that when you get onto the stage you're so desperate you're so you know wrought in a way that you want to give this incredible performance that you just are like a big bouldering ball of tension of madness yeah yes. and it's like you know you're trying so hard for people to see that, that you're you're in it and you're living it and you're breathing it but it it doesn't always actually even come across no of course not as like the emotion or the the music that you're in, intending to portray because your body is just so tense and anxious about the fact that potentially you're not doing well enough so again how do we how do we tackle this this tendency to over try this tendency to overperform what what kind of thing do you do alex well i suppose uh, yeah no it's trying it. not <laughs> trying not to care and trying not to see people's reactions in the audience it's like rather than oh my teacher always said no 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 you're inviting them in. You're not forcing a performance on them. So true. Yeah, I never do that. Obviously. Never been able the door to do is it, slammed yeah. shut, and I'm like, Wah. I'm like, let me give it to you. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's slowly slowly becoming more aware and noticing all of these things. Hundred percent that have really helped. So you know, I now notice that I'm like, wow, my eyes have like changed changed focus and like change point of where I'm looking uh, in the last I don't know phrase that I've sung like 20,000 times <laughs> so it's like my eyes are on sticks just staring at everything and everyone as much as I can and in as intently as possible honestly guys you should book a ticket it I'm really like it's quite a view come and see I'm like and also you know so I've learned okay I've noticed I'm doing that because I have a rest with the piano boring interlude or something. Sorry, pitness, love you. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to I'm gonna actually like force myself to stand still now and look straight ahead or whatever. And similarly, I think with tension, uh, like shoulders or something, I've learned to do that as well. You yeah. know, I literally schedule in moments in the piece, love to schedule, uh, where I'm like, just notice if you've got anything funny going on, like a claw or like a club foot or something. I don't know. <laughs> Just the classic gangrene. <laughs> yeah. And just without coming out of character too much, just be like, just relax it. Yeah, um, definitely. That's really helped me. I think that that going into your body and, and checking in, like something that is quite common when we do like meditation practices or mindfulness practices, like I know we can find those things kind of boring and annoying. Well, we certainly can. <laughs> but um, actually they do teach you in a way to become more familiar with these various kind of check-in points in your body and I do remember like kind of encouraging myself to do it on a daily basis it meant that you know coming into a performance I was like okay we'll check in with your body and actually it's not this kind of foreign alien space it's like oh it's my body which I'm regularly checking in with now and like I'm here and I can feel that I'm really tense in my mm, shoulders mm -hmm. and so let's just relax that and I don't know for me a big thing with overperforming, I, I hold a lot of it in my jaw because I'm like let me tell you the story <laughs> and so kind of you know checking in and being like okay you know let's let that go and as you say if you know the, the aria or the the piece of music that you're performing if you're able to potentially schedule in mm, these little mm. moments where you're like okay you know this is a, a a four bar break let's let's just relax a bit and make sure that whatever this next breath is it is deep it is relaxed it is you know completely kind of ready to go and then you're able to at least start the next phrase with a good 
base from which to work. And I think we were saying as well to to practice this behavior. So i.e. not to just get to the performance and be like, okay, I'm gonna be in my body and then out of my body and in my body and singing and blah, 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 blah. It's like when we practice, we need to practice these ideas. This mm-hmm. idea of checking in with the body and the rests and seeing how it feels and then continuing onwards. Because I really believe that you can't leave things to the performance and think that you'll be able to execute them correctly. Like Agreed. you have to have given your body the familiarity that you, this is what I'm going to do when we perform. And also that, uh, uh, not not control uh, as such, because control is maybe negative, but as in that the practicing yes. makes me less anxious because yes. I'm like, I've practiced There's that. security. I know that it's going to be okay. Well, not a train crash yeah. anyway, you know. <laughs> yeah. And I think, again, very similar to what we were saying about over-practicing, it comes down again to trust. And, you know, as we learn to trust in our practicing I hope that we also learn to trust in our performing that, you know, time and time again, we're making improvements, we're making steps forward. And, you know, something that kind of goes hand in hand with all of this is, you know, you can't be a perfectionist mm-hmm. in this. In- I mean, you can try, but it leads to a very, I think, messy. Quite, yeah, messy and, and oftentimes miserable result because perfection in this career is now on impossible. Mm-hmm. So just a bit more trust and kind of allowing, allowing things to be as they are, you know, that that's definitely okay. And the last thing that we'd like to talk about today, uh, how anxiety manifests itself with us, uh, is in overthinking. So I think we sort of mean this in, in all sorts of contexts, you know, in, in rehearsals, in coachings, also in social situations or, or whatever it is, really. If someone gives me some advice or something in a coaching, then I'm like, oh, well, he actually means this, or they, they actually mean that uh, I, I can't actually sing and I should give up right now. Uh, <laughs> they, they don't <laughs> actually mean it in a nice constructive way. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, you know, I'm so in my head now that the, the rest of the coaching is a waste of time, essentially. Yep. Uh, and the rehearsal, I'm just really, really tense and I'm anxious. All I can think about is what everyone else thinks of me and what my voice sounds like. So I get home and I don't know what I've achieved with that rehearsal other yeah. than, like, make a fool of myself. <laughs> <laughs> so that's really good isn't it um <laughs> gone it's exhausting yeah yeah imagine <laughs> so much anxiety um yeah so how to notice that you may be getting into that headspace mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and coming out of it is something that I really need to work on uh, nice. <laughs> and uh, maybe you as well I don't know how do you find that sort of thing what do you do yeah with with the same person so I agree <laughs> with everything like we're terrible for attempting to read subtext or like In attempting everything. to understand like what the underlying motive is behind like any comment or any piece of feedback or just you know dynamics in a rehearsal we're like what is happening there like blah 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 what does this mean blah 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 and um yeah I think you're right and and actually it's something we're going to talk about later this week like that kind of energy means we potentially don't see things as they actually are we see them through a slightly warped lens Mm. so in terms of things I would do or have been doing to attempt to kind of handle that um for a long period of time I was really doing a lot of meditation and it was actually something um again we'll talk about it later this week but like during the pandemic it was something I really got back into because it was such a highly stressful time and I was overthinking the situation so so much and so to just do something that kind of allowed you to focus on 
again the body mm -hmm. rather than the mm -hmm. brain to, it allowed you to focus on the breath so you know for you uh, you love yoga and i, I do. think Hello. yoga really kind of hits a similar spot for you where you're kind of going into your physical body you're kind of working with the breath and as you go through your practice you're less and less in that you know anxious spinny kind of thinking place so i think in, in a way you know things like meditation yoga breathing exercise if that's something that works for you these things are all kind of self-soothing mm -hmm, methods mm -hmm, doing mm -hmm. things that often i think like if i saw a friend in my position what would i suggest and it'd be like oh you know do you want to go for a walk like in in a nice surrounding do you want to just relax for the evening like put on some candles listen like listen to some chill music and just get an early night yeah as well you know things like sleep Come rest on. all of that just things that take you out of your brain and allow you to kind of understand that you're, you're you're stressed you know and you're in a bit of a you know low level traumatic state and it's like right we need to bring you down off the ceiling <laughs> and like what are the best ways <laughs> that we can do that and i think as well alongside like meditation and doing physical things sharing it is mm, often mm -hmm. a very it is. like yeah. helpful one i don't know if you how do you find sharing, Alex? Would you like to share I with really the group? I really struggle to share. <laughs> but I think that's because when I when I say it out loud, I'm like, oh, the, the he said this, and then I really disagreed with this, and then and then they were thinking this, and then I noticed that her and her, they were having this look across the rehearsal. The moment I say that out loud, I'm like, that's ridiculous. Yeah. I'm overthinking the situation. Mm -hmm. um, so sharing really does help. Yeah, and I think like having that realization, mm -hmm. having that moment, mm -hmm. you're like, okay, well, I... I recognize that this is overthinking and because sometimes they say like having a laugh at yourself in this yes. situation can be the best kind of form of medicine. That's not for everybody, but certainly I think in our case, if we're able to have a joke about it, it definitely like eases that, that kind of tense, stressy, anxious state. But also I think alongside maybe sharing it with a friend or telling somebody else, writing it down for me is, is a big part of things. Like often if I kind of look at what I've written on paper, I can be like, gosh, that's highly overcritical or that's a bit unrealistic and and then you're able to again as as we're saying like see things as they actually are then mm -hmm, perhaps mm -hmm, mm -hmm. as your over anxious brain is, is yeah, making exactly. it out to be yeah agreed righty well i think to close up this episode on anxiety and i think this is something that we're going to kind of come back to across all of these little shorts throughout this week anxiety is common it's a common mental health condition and it's a lot 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 more common than people believe it to be and as we're becoming more open and talking about mental health in our lives in our places of work in our communities um i think part of the reason we're making these episodes is to encourage people to n not you know overshare if they don't feel that mm, that's what they mm -hmm. want more that you're not alone and there are lots and lots and lots of people out there that are going through these things. And actually, particularly in a career as a musician, a lot of these mental health conditions are highly, highly prevalent amongst friends, colleagues, people that we see, work with, whatever. So just that really, really critical reminder that you're not alone. But then alongside that, there are ways that one can get help. Again, we're going to talk about this later in the week, but... Don't be scared to consider therapy as a method of, of assistance, support and help. I think don't be scared to talk to your friends and family if you feel that you need to share that you're having a difficult time and that things aren't going quite right for you. And I think as well, if the idea of sharing with your friends and family seems like a step too far, then maybe there's a way that you could take baby steps to get to that point. And I think 
I was saying to Alex, often, you know, if you're able to kind of write it down, that's a start. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. then if you're able to perhaps like distill it into four or five points that you might feel able to share with a friend, just, you know, helping yourself kind of gradually work towards a place where you're then able to say to somebody close to you, like, oh, I'm struggling or, or, or this doesn't feel right or whatever. But, you know, sharing is such an important thing when it comes to our mental health and well-being. And then we'll talk about it again in another episode but i think medication is a tricky one for some um has negative connotations and i don't think that's fair and i don't think that's right but for many people medication is an incredibly positive and beneficial way to help manage some of the symptoms of things such as anxiety um i'm on medication for anxiety and it really has helped me kind of manage some of these symptoms and become a bit more um I don't want to say controlled, like, uh, but a bit more um, able to understand my behavior and manage it better. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's not for everybody. Medication in this context isn't right for everybody. But I think it's more important that you don't just rule out that option mm-hmm. because of the kind of negative bias and connotation that surrounds it. So thanks so much for joining us for this little short on anxiety. Um, we are Where's My Freaking Dressing Room um, where can people get in touch with us Alex if they want to know more? we have our website of course which is www.wheresmyfreakingdressingroom.com and we have our email address which is wheresmyfreakingdressingroom at gmail.com we're also on social media we're on Instagram at dressingroompod we're on Facebook forward slash dressingroompod and we're on Twitter at dressingroompo1 it'd be really great to hear from our community particularly on this kind of thing you know Do you feel that you might suffer from some symptoms of anxiety? Do you feel that you have ways of dealing with it that we haven't talked about? You know, of course, we're aware that these are just short episodes. So we're covering a small number of things in a really short space of time. And there is so much more to be said Mm -hmm, on this mm -hmm. topic. So if there's more that you want us to talk about and you haven't heard it in this episode, get in touch. Let us know. And we look forward to seeing you for another episode tomorrow. Goodbye. Goodbye.